It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we reshuffle the schedule a little bit this week to accommodate our guests. Tuesday will be our Zalu Doin. We will push Expert Tuesday into Expert Wednesday. Tyler Dunn, formerly of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and Bleacher Report, will be here tomorrow to talk about two pieces that he wrote for his new venture, Uh, about Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon. Some really great insight in there. And I I know that the last time he came on, there were some some people who were upset about it because of the piece that he wrote about Aaron Rodgers. And and you can bet I will will ask about that and, and about how things perhaps have changed over the last few years. And I'm sure he will have some thoughts on that. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Before we get to our conversation with Lily, um, I want to talk about this defense because lost in the struggles at the end of the game and lost in the 400th touchdown. And and there has been a lot of discussion about Carson Wentz being benched. Why did Carson Wentz get benched? Well, Carson Wentz got benched because he went six of 15 for 79 yards, took a bazillion sacks and the Eagles were able to manufacture just three points while he was the quarterback through about three quarters. That's not going to cut it, especially against the defense that, in all fairness to the Packers, has not been great this year. They've been okay. They've been fine at times, and they have hemorrhaged yards at other times. This could have been a get-right game, and it wasn't. And outside of one drive, Jalen Hurts didn't do that much better, 5 of 12 for 109, and had a, had a touchdown but also had the, the game-sealing interception. What I want to go back to, though, is a conversation that apparently took place between the Packers defensive coaches, Mike Patton, and their best players, Adarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Kenny Clark, reportedly the guys involved in this discussion. And after the games, Adarius Smith was asked about it. He said he went to coach 
and said, look, you know, we're, we're frustrated. You know, we're, we're not playing as well as we should be. And here's how we think things can change. As Zadarius Smith relayed that story in the postgame, that's how it went. He was later asked if the game plan against Chicago, where they played pretty passively in a lot of zone, was an impetus for that discussion. He said simply, yes, sir. And he did that to answer in the affirmative, but also not to throw his coaches under the bus and, and further criticize them. Clearly, um, he has a lot of respect for Mike Patton and has made that clear uh, really since they got there. Preston and Zedaria Smith, that they think the coaches care about the players, that they listen to the players and that they want this team to succeed defensively as a collaboration. And what changed? Well, guys started winning. That's that's definitely true. Dean Lowry has his best game as a pass rusher, maybe as a Green Bay Packer. He had five pressures. Rashawn Gary had five pressures. And Gary, by the way, started again, although Preston Smith ended up playing more snaps. This pass rush in 41 dropbacks generated 28 pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. That is a preposterous number. But it wasn't just the pass rush that was able to come up with all of those pressures. It wasn't just winning more often, though certainly they did that. I mean, Kingsley Kiki beats Jason Peters, who's one of the best offensive linemen of his generation. Now he's playing out of position at guard instead of tackle. But Kiki beats him cold twice with a little chop move and and gets into the backfield. Rashawn Gary creates pressure just with, with a... A ragdolling of Jack Driscoll at right tackle, who's a rookie, but is a, a promising rookie, a very talented player who I thought, frankly, the Packers would be wise to draft. But it wasn't just that. It was the coverage as well. And Matt LaFleur said as much on Monday. You know, He talked about how sticky the coverage was and how that helped propel the pass rush. And we know these things work in coordination with one another. The pass rush gives the the coverage team, you know, the the pressure that can create off-target throws. They can prevent the quarterback from getting the ball out in rhythm. Maybe they have to extend the play. They have to break the pocket. And they and everything has to, you know, be off schedule. And the coverage can force the quarterback to hold the ball a little bit longer than they want. That split second, that extra half second could be the difference between a completion and a sack. Between the the chance for a rollout, you know, an escape and a sack. Those things go hand in hand. And what Green Bay did was against a team with a struggling quarterback and limited offensive weaponry particularly at receiver where their best players in terms of pass catchers are tight ends, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Mike Patton listened to his players and said, okay, you want things simplified. Apparently what that means is more man coverage. Something that I have been talking about on this show all season long. And, and really going back to 2018, I would love to see them play a little bit more man coverage because they have the corners to do it, especially Jair Alexander. So even if you don't think Kevin King is a great man cover corner, and maybe he's not, let him play some press man and we can find out. But even if you don't think that, you put Jair Alexander on one side of the field, you shade the safety to the other side, which is what the Packers did, and you let your players dictate 
outcomes. Give them the mindset of this is how we want to play. We want to attack offenses and it will pay dividends. Green Bay played man coverage on 56% of snaps on Sunday, according to PFF. Their season average is 24 and a half. More than twice as often they were in man coverage. And they played cover one. So single high man coverage on over 50% of snaps. Their 51% was the highest of any team on Sunday. They excelled doing this. Now, it wasn't perfect. They they had some, some coverage busts. And I, I thought two of the busts, frankly, were zone coverage, not man coverage, as is often the case. You try and pass guys off in zone, and that's when things can start to break down. It, it It is the case, at least in my opinion, that man coverage is more simplified if that's the verbiage that we're going to use. You got that guy, I got this guy, and let's see who can win. Now, there are all sorts of, of reasons that it doesn't always play out that way. Rub routes, man beaters, meshes, all these kinds of things that can that can give man coverage problems, of course, are, are, are there. But that doesn't make it less simple. Zone coverage requires a lot more communications, uh, pass-offs, and, and trying to figure out where guys are going to be, where they're going, not just where they are. And I, I think, frankly, uh, it, it is, and or at least can be, the more passive way to play. Now you think of the 49ers, they play a lot of cover three. You think of that those Legion of Boom teams, they played a lot of cover three. And they were able to do it because they were fast. They were really good. The linebackers could really move. Earl Thomas erased everything over the top and Richard Sherman could take an entire side of the field away. That hasn't been Green Bay's approach. They played a lot of two deep safeties, trying not to give up big plays. And, and it has worked to a certain degree. I mean, Green Bay has been the best third and long defense in the league this season. Third and more than six. And I think that is probably surprising to a lot. It was surprising to me when I found that out. I think this is a formula that can work for this team for a number of reasons. Number one, they they have found something with Raven Green and this big nickel package. They found something in Kamel Martin in what is more of a traditional nickel package. Um, you play with the four down linemen, the two linebackers, and you add Chandon Sullivan in there. I, I think that's something that, especially on early downs against most teams, they're going to be fine with. And then you take Martin off the field, you put Raven Green onto the field, and now you can play a little bit more coverage. You can play Adrian Amos or Darnell Savage deep, and Savage has really taken to this new role that they're using him in, more of an underneath Robert defender, uh, a rover, someone who played a ton of man coverage. Uh, on Sunday, you know, had Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz in these in these one-on-one situations, gave up one catch on three targets, and it was a rep where he slipped. He is becoming a, a very talented, very impactful player. He's not becoming talented. He's always been talented, but he's coming becoming impactful in ways that we haven't seen a safety impact games in a long time. The speed, the playmaking, it's all there. So now you have... A, a coverage plan that makes a little bit more sense, at least against a lot of teams. It's not going to make sense against every team. And you have a pass rush that can work in conjunction with that plan. And when your offense is scoring points, you're getting pressure, you're creating turnovers, at least at the end of the game they did. And this is this is how this team can, can play. And the defense, I think, has really uh, looked better the last few weeks. Uh, there have been some brain farts and some hiccups, but they're getting healthy up front. The pass rush 
has really come on the last month or so. Darnell Savage has really come on the last month or so. And this is the version of this team. Getting pressure, creating turnovers, playing well with Aaron Rodgers, and getting that one or two field-tilting plays a game from Aaron Jones that is as good as anyone in the league right now. We saw the Chiefs struggle with a, a bad Broncos team on Sunday. We saw the Steelers lose to the Washington football team. These these really good teams, they, they all have flaws. There's no reason why Green Bay can't be among, if not the best team, when it's all said and done at the end of the year. Before we get to Lily, let's talk about our friends at Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports, parents fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi Made for football watching. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. With a little bit of a different schedule this week, we come off Victory Monday instead of our normal Wednesdays with Lily Zhao. It is a Tuesday version of Zhao You Doing. The Packers get a 30-16 to win over the Philadelphia Eagles, a game that saw Aaron Rodgers throw his 400th career touchdown pass and saw the Eagles bench their starting quarterback. So, Lily, Zhao You Doing, because I bet it's better than Carson Wentz. <laughs> I'm doing well, Peter. I'm doing well. Uh, is that how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm excited to talk today because a lot went on uh, in week 13. Week 14 is not a particularly uh, enticing slate of games. So we got to take these good conversations when we can get them. The Packers on Sunday, when you take into consideration offense and defense and just leave special teams out of it for a second. It seemed like this was the version of the team that we thought they could be coming into the year. They got pretty much whatever they wanted in the passing game. They get the big play from Aaron Jones, so the run game gives you something important. And then the defense comes through. Seven sacks, uh, 28 quarterback pressures from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Rashawn Gary has a great game, and then they get the turnover at the end to seal it. This team is starting to round into form a little bit with the, with the offense, with the defense, the run game, all of that stuff coming together now. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this and I was like, yeah, of course, they're going to be playing much better competition 
uh, in the playoffs. But, you know, the only team that can really truly beat this team is the Packers. And when they get in their own way um, and they, you know, turn the ball over, they stumble, they get in some lulls, you know, that's been detrimental to them. But when they're playing sound football, when they're not turning it over, when they're not making those mental mistakes, this is a good football team. And I don't know. Yeah, we can talk about the defense. And yes, it was the Eagles offense. Yes. You know, Carson Wentz is in a funk. He got benched. You know, they put Jalen Hurts in there. But, you know, we knew this Eagles offense wasn't good, but you needed a good performance from your defense to to say, okay, they're not good, but we can still play really well. And that was the case. You know, with those seven sacks and, and the uh, Darnell Savage, Charles Woodson-like interception at the end there. Um, but it's encouraging to see that, you know, when they're not making those mistakes to really hurt themselves and shoot themselves in the foot, this is a good team. And, you know, yeah. even Devontae Adams, even Aaron Rodgers said that, you know, we're encouraged by what we see as we kind of head into the final month of the regular season. Yeah, we talked last week, Lily, about not making this a get-right game for Carson Wentz. He goes six for 15, 79 yards, uh, a passer rating under 60. And and as we mentioned, gets benched for this game, gets sacked a bunch of times. The Packers did what they uh, needed to do in terms of, you know, not letting a bad offense beat them. And apparently we, we found out during the telecast and then Zadarius Smith confirmed it in the postgame. He said, look, we went to Mike Patton. We wanted him to simplify things for us and just let us get after the quarterback. And that's exactly what they did on Sunday. I guess my question is, why Why do you not do that sooner? You know, that's a good question. And I think even Matt LaFleur said, you know, while we value these guys' inputs and we take them into consideration, you know, we're not always going to let them do what they want to do, which is fair because right. we are the <laughs> So maybe that was just Petten saying, you know, we're going to stick with what I want to do. But then they finally came to him and said, listen, man, it's what what you're trying to do isn't working and we want to just be let loose. And I think obviously he listened and these guys really took advantage. And, you know, it was great, great to see just, you know, penetration into the backfield, you know, getting after the quarterback, that pass rush was going well. Things that we thought this defense could do at the beginning of the year, at least we're seeing it down the stretch when it's cold December football. Well, and it's not like it's it's something that's totally out of character that's unsustainable for them because this is what this defense looked like at times last year where they they could just overwhelm you with their pass rush. Do you think that there are are things that, you know, okay, yeah, you beat up on a bad opponent and you, you know, that is what it is. You can only draw so much from it, but at the same time, now this we see that this worked. So do you think there are things that they can take here and say, okay, now let's let's put it in in practice against the Lions, let's put it in practice against the Panthers, the Titans, and then eventually these playoff teams moving forward? I certainly think so because you know you don't want to take you don't you don't want to be the team that says, oh, we're just going to play well against a bad opponent and not show up the next week. I, I think this team making its strides is just going to stack on their successes, and that's very much coach speak, but I do think it's true. I think they're going to stack on their successes and and say, you know, we got after a win seven times. And yeah, we're not, we know sacks won't come in seven bunches every single game, but you know, if they can get two or three and then maybe a a takeaway the following game and just keep building, um, it's going to give them a lot more confidence up front, especially when it's playoff time and it's one and done. Offensively, you know, we have an expectation now for the Packers and it's get to 30 points. It's, you know, Aaron Rodgers, 300 yards. It's, you know, three touchdowns at least. And what I think is remarkable about that is this was the same team 
that we in the offseason, we meaning everyone in the media, all the Packer fans, and I think, frankly, most NFL fans thought, hey, this team needs to get more weapons. They don't have enough pieces. And yet here we are sitting here in, in early December going, this is the second best offense in the league behind the Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers may very well be the MVP. I mean, in some ways, I, I think they're they're not getting enough credit for the the strides that they've made. How much of that do you think is is on Lafleur? How much of it is on Rodgers? I mean, who do you think deserves the most credit for the strides this offense has made? Because it, in terms of activity it's not brian gutekinst although he said you know we're, we're going to stand pat with our guys and maybe he was just right about that i, I think it's got to be a combo of both <clears throat> excuse me i think it's you know matt lafleur is the one who's calling plays he's the one who's scheming guys open and aaron Rodgers is the one executing those plays uh and you have to have both those guys on a high level to be successful because yeah matt lafleur can call a great play but if you know aaron can't execute it it's it's not going to happen. So I think you have to give both these guys credit, but I think it's just the the, the national outlook is, you know, it's still the Packers. They didn't sign anybody you know, flashy, so they're not going to be talked about like the Mahomes or even Tom Brady and the Bucks and and the Saints and all that stuff. But you know, I think this team likes being the underdog per se, even if you know they're the number two seed currently in the NFC playoff race. But you know even if they're not getting that national attention, this team still knows it's really good. And that's what they've really taken ownership of. They've taken pride in that. And, you know, like you mentioned, it's like we we expect to see this team score at least 30 points a game. Like if they score like 24, we're like, oh, terrible game. But it wasn't. Um, when they're gelling like this, again, when they have everybody back, I'm excited to see what Tavon Austin can do, um, especially if Tyler Irvin's going to be out for some time now. I think this is going to be a very fun team to watch. Uh this last month of the season it has been a fun team to watch so far this season i, I want to ask a, a sort of quasi football question here ever since david bakhtiari signed his big contract he's been making the media rounds and i know we saw him in pitch perfect too if you went to see that and you know he, he gets in a commercial every now and then and, and rogers teased him that he, you know he wasn't even the second best actor in a commercial with matt lafleur but we're seeing more of his personality as someone who, you know, has been in the locker room, has seen him and, and seen him be around the guys. What's it like for you to to see him get some national recognition now? Because it does seem like people are finding out his personality. He's a really smart, a really engaging guy. It's great because, you know, I think we've seen how he's blossomed really with uh, the media since he got here. It was, you know, he was a shy guy, not, not shy, but. You can see he was a little bit reserved talking to the media. Now it's he's so comfortable with it. And he's on the Pat McAfee show cracking jokes about Aaron Rodgers and those Christmas gifts. And right. then he's chugging beers at Pfizer Forum uh, you know, last year. So it's it's fun to see, you know, again, the attention he's getting on a national level because we've all seen it in Green Bay or in Wisconsin. Um, but again, it's it's I I think it's just like the Packers brand is that we know these guys are good, they just don't get the national exposure. Um but that's just kind of the way it is. But it's just fun to see David get those opportunities. And I'm just kind of curious to see what he's going to get Rodgers this year for Christmas. Because that's apparently a huge topic. <laughs> we will, we will, I'm sure we will find out on the Pat McAfee show what that situation was. And and maybe we can even get a, a double interview if Raj is willing to give up some of his time. That would be a fun thing. Let's Let's pan out a little bit because a lot of the things that went on in week 13 have ramifications for Green Bay. The Rams get a win over the Cardinals. The Cardinals are really going to be hard-pressed now to make the playoffs here down the stretch. The Rams look like they have a, a good chance to be 
the three seed at at worst because we know that that the NFC East team is not going to catch them. But the Seahawks lost to the NFC East team now in first place in the Giants. And the Saints just keep winning with Taysom Hill. So right now in the NFC, you sort of hit on this earlier. I mean, is there a team that you can comfortably say, yeah, I feel I feel confident to say this team is definitely better than the Packers right now? I mean, if you're looking at kind of the X's and O's and the straight stat sheet, you're going to say, you know, maybe the Saints if they get a rematch. But again, yeah, the Packers did beat them in their own house earlier in the season. Uh, and both teams didn't have their dynamic wide receivers in that game. But honestly, it's if you're looking at the NFC, I truly do believe that if they don't get in their own way and they play like they have been playing, I really do think they have a great shot of making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, but again, that's if they cannot get in their own way. And, you know, we kind of saw that that in the Eagles game where it was a one score uh, game and then they came out with that Aaron Jones run and really iced it. I feel like in those losses, they just didn't have an answer of coming back when they couldn't score or they just got a three and out and they couldn't make anything happen. You know, I think this team is going to build on that. It's it's to find ways to respond. And I think that's going to help them down the stretch because, again, if, if they play their best football, I really do think this is the best team in the NFC. Well, and this is something that, that we've talked about, and, and I think I'm going to write about it this week. When you go back and you look, and it's certainly been the case since you've been covering this team, that when they lose in these playoff games, they're losing to teams pretty much everyone agrees is better than them, right? And that's that's not a knock on really uh, on the players. It's not a knock on Aaron Rodgers. They won a Super Bowl when they weren't the best team and they just played well enough to win a Super Bowl. They could actually be the best team this year. And, it, and that hadn't been true enough over the course of Aaron Rodgers' career. And I think in some ways it will make it more disappointing, especially given the, the situation with Rodgers and we don't know what his future is. That if they don't win it, you go, okay, well, this was a year where you could say they at least had the potential to be the best team. That, that's not something that that any team can say on a regular basis, year in and year out. So you have to take advantage of those opportunities when you get them. It looks like this is one of those years. It really does. And you have to wonder, you know, if, if they don't make the Super Bowl this year, um, and who knows again where Aaron Rodgers will be? It's when are they going to make it again? You know, they, there's a great opportunity in front of them because, you know, whether or not they're the number one or number two seed at the end of this whole thing, it's this is the year to do it because you know we haven't seen an offense this fun in Green Bay since 2014. Um, right. And while the defense could be still be better, it's you know they play like they did on Sunday. It's they're complementing the offense, and like you mentioned, I think this is the year they got to do it because. If not this year, you know, you're kind of wondering, all right, who do they give up? Who's in free agency? Do these guys come back? What about the running back situation? It's like, who's what's, who knows what this team is going to look like next year? So got to strike while the iron's hot and their offense is hot right now. So you got to hope it's this year. And, and of course, you hope your team wins the Super Bowl every year. I mean, in some ways, this is not sparkling analysis because it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, if they don't win it this year, who knows when they're going to win it again? But at the same time, like, I think we, we need to be... Uh, you know, we need to we need to be realistic about about enjoying this, right? Because we're not going to have many more years of watching Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, even if it's three years. That's not very many. And to this point, he hasn't had that many bites at the the Super Bowl apple. So if they get that chance, 
um, you know, that would be that would be a really special thing. Uh, I'll, I'll finish with this in that same vein. Uh, friend of the podcast and friend of ours, Bailey Burmaster, reported uh, this week that that the Packers are looking at having fans at some point in Lambeau Field. First of all, what is your reaction to that? And and that would allow a lot of people to to see firsthand this team try and make that kind of Super Bowl run. You know, I think Mark Murphy even alluded to it that he was hoping to get fans kind of back by that Carolina game. So that that would make sense that they would want to have more fans in the stands. But, you know, Devontae Adams even said, BYOJ, bring your own juice. But if they already have <laughs> like a foundation of juice with the fans and their energy in the stands, like that's just going to heighten it even more. So you have to believe that having fans in the stands down the stretch is going to be a huge advantage for this team because they're just going to get that sense of normalcy being back at Lambeau Field. I know they have the, uh, the beer races are back. Um, uh, jump around is back. It's a, a lot of these, these things that you would normally see in a normal Packer season are coming back. But when you bring more fans in, you get a chance to actually see this offense in action, this team in action. I think it's going to bode so well for this team as they head down the stretch because you want them really just to be peaking at the right time. And I think fans in the stands will help that. And not just that, it, it it gives fans an opportunity to to be there and and experience it. And as long as that can be done in a in a safe way, uh, you know, uh, there's this this community and this group of fans has a special connection to the team, and that's been true from its inception. And I don't want to get too sappy about this, but <laughs> it, it really does matter more for Packer fans, and and it really always has. And so, if they are able to do it and are able to do it in a safe way. Um, this is the kind of special season you would absolutely want to do whatever you could to make sure you could have fans there again with the caveat that you can do it in a safe way. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. Because if you can do it in a safe way, wear your masks, social distance, um, it's going to be a great thing for both the players and the fans to to really embrace this special unique season. Right. And, and if this thing can go all the way, I mean, those fans who can see that team play in person are, are truly blessed, I'll say. And and something that, you know, I think a lot of a lot of us in terms of morale boost could really use because this is this has been such a difficult year for a lot of people. And and I, I don't think we can understate uh, how much a little bit of normalcy and how special an experience it is to be at Lambo. I mean, you've been at Lambo and, and we've talked about this. It's special every time that you walk out of the tunnel and you always do the videos where you're walking out and we see the field, even even fans just seeing those videos on Twitter. You know, there's always replies in in the comments about, ooh, you know, I have chills. It's it's a really cool thing, and and for that to to be able to happen again, I think also hints at a sense of normalcy that is hopefully, hopefully, Lily, knock on wood, coming down the pike for all of us. So uh, hopefully, that's something that that we can do. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Lions. We can do that on later shows this week. But I do appreciate you coming on early and giving us your insight. Thanks, Peter. And just want to say one more thing. Just imagine a, a snow globe game at Lambeau for those fans. That'd be fun. It'd be great. It'd be great. <laughs> I want to thank Lily again for joining the show. Before we finish up here, let's talk about our friends at Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in a one and a half ounce package, put it in your briefcase for your most focused presentation ever, put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine or put it in your pocket just to get you through the day, to get you over the proverbial hump because it's like drinking a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. 
It comes in three delicious flavors from the makers of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So you know it doesn't just taste like a blob. It tastes delicious and provides the boost of collagen peptides, which is fast absorbing, so it gets in your system fast and it's easy on the stomach. Right now, go to builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED to get 20% off at BuiltGo. Let's go. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. All right, tomorrow on the show, Ty Dunn for Expert Tuesday. Well, Expert Wednesday is what we're doing this week. going to talk about his article about Jordan Love and all of the input that he got on that. Uh, some of the anecdotes in the A.J. Dillon story are also really great. And, and we're going to talk a little Aaron Rodgers. So uh, check that out. I think it's going to be a, a great conversation. We'll be there tomorrow and then crossover Thursday. Uh, Packers, Lions, our friend Matt Derry. We always have a great time talking to Matt. Uh, the, his long nightmare with Matt Patricia is finally over. And, and the Lions got a win over a Bears team that, you know, that coaching staff might as well just start packing its bags now because, I don't think they're coming back in 2021. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.